Last week I started talking about how do we, how do we actually the, the line that I had was how do we live for the long game? How do we play the long game? How do we, how do we live with longevity in mind? You know, so, and I kind of was thinking about that when we were, in, when we were on leave and I, and I really felt like love, joy, and hope in faith would be those three things, those things. The faith that love, joy, and hope brings. And actually, you ask the questions, what, what's, what, what gives you joy? What brings you joy? Um, ask the thing, what is your hope actually in? And how do we live in love, live for the best of others? Because actually when we do that, we begin to build for the long term. And I realized last week when I was preparing that love and, and hope and joy, or joy and hope in particular, gets robbed from, from us in one very big area, or the potential to be robbed from us. And, and that's in the area of endings and beginnings. And I spoke about how all of life is actually about an end and a beginning. And most of, most of, in fact, most of uh, our, our, our living, we will f- offer, suffer, um, live through many ends and many new beginnings. And how, in fact, that if you do ends well, there's new beginnings always around the corner. And often what happens is we don't walk into a new beginning because we haven't ended the last season well. And a, a, big, a big end that needs to die that needs to end is in the form of forgiveness if you live in unforgiveness it's an end that will you keeping alive that should be dead but but ends are can be many things in life it can be it can be the ultimate end of death loss of somebody a loved one is a big end an obvious end it can be retirement how often people retire at the age of 65 and they end up getting sick and their life gets shortened. I think it's because there's this massive end that we don't know how to deal with and don't know how to live through so that there can be a new beginning. For surely somebody that is retired, who's at the stage of life where they've probably got more time, more finances, more resources than ever before, surely the new beginning for a retired person is profound if they can get around the end retrenchments, changing jobs. I think in church leadership, stopping leading or starting to lead are all ends. Starting to lead is an end. Something has to change. And these changes are the places, friends, I want to get to this morning. It's the places where we grow the most. In fact, I wonder whether there's any other place that we do grow. Getting married Everybody thinks of the new beginning of marriage, Josh and Sarah, 19th of December. Yes, Lord, new beginning, new marriage, new. But to get to that new beginning, there's an end. It's the end of singleness. It's the end of living for yourself. There's an end. And the reason why people's first years of marriage are very tough is because they're trying to end the old. New beginnings come with ends. What about having kids? I said this last week. What about when kids leave home? What do we do? I was chatting to a couple now. Both their kids are married, and this morning, both their kids are married and living in different parts of the country and across the world. I said, what's it like? They were like, yeah, well, we miss them. I'm like, Flip, that's awesome. I can't wait for that time. <laughs> Sorry, my kids. 
But when I'm there, I'm going to be, oh, Lord, please, we want them back again. Please, come, Lord, please. What about dreams that have been seemingly lost? What do you do with that? How do you recover from that? I wrote this down this morning. What about abuse as a child? At that moment, an end happens in your life, an end of innocence, and the beginning of cycles of guilt and shame. You see, it's in the the in-between stage, between the end and the beginning, that actually that's where God speaks. And what happens is, when the devil puts his lies into you, into that space, you begin to live out of a wrong paradigm for the rest of your life. And what happened, what needs to happen is that end needs to be revisited and reconstituted and the truth needs to be spoken so that the new beginning can start again. It's not complicated, friends. It's what the gospel does. The gospel is a new beginning every day. And you better believe it's a new beginning every day because yesterday wasn't always a good day. And we have the grace of God in the blood of Jesus to restart all the time. That's why we don't fall. We just keep moving forward step by step. What about things like infertility? I know there's couples in the life of the church that are struggling to have babies. So, so painful. What about just the way things used to be? How can we do this like this anymore? A church grows from 50 to 150. People get upset. How can we, with just such a close family, we loved every, friends, healthy things will grow. How do you deal with that end, the end of that to the new? All these things, friends, everybody in the scriptures that did anything of worth had a significant end and waited for a new beginning. You see, before the new beginning can happen, an end must happen. And what happens is, is we hold on to the end that should be ending, or the old, the unforgiveness, the whatever that thing is, all these things are little ends, and you can think in your own life, these are ends. And then what you're doing is you're stretching for the new, but you can't get into the new because you won't let go of the end. Until the end dies, this end is like a little death that needs to happen. And until you can let that go, And eventually you're like, no, because it's comfortable to be here, friends. There's no growth in comfort. No growth in comfort. For you to grow, you're going to be uncomfortable. It's like that little, that that I never forget, and I can never find the thing on YouTube, of a a dragonfly coming out of a, or a fly thing coming out of a cocoon. And one, of the, and one of the things you watch the, the thing pushing through and fighting through the cocoon, breaking out and coming out and flying away. And in the second picture, you have a guy that cuts the end of the cocoon off and the thing comes out of the cocoon without a struggle. And what happens is this thing can't fly because it's the struggle that gets it ready for the flight. It's the struggle that, that dries it and gets its wings ready for the next thing. And if you cut it out, it can't fly. It's the same thing. We, we battle to get uh, let go of this so that we can grab hold. And, it's, and remember, it's not going to be this. This is the most dangerous place you can be in. 
It's a nothing place. It's, an, it's no man's land place. But this is God saying you've got to let go of this. Be in the murky middle for a season. Be in the darkness for the season. Be in the mystery for a season. Be in the, I don't quite know. It feels like God's not with me. I, I, it feels like I can't hear God anymore. Through that season, however long that season is, so that you can grab hold of the next. Friends, this is so key for all of our lives. If we can learn this at these guys' age, man, life will be a whole lot better. Because we are gonna go through many, many, many iterations of this. The reason why old people are wise is because they've lived through many ends. Get with people that have been through many ends. Been bankrupt, an end. Been divorced, an end. And what they've done is they've allowed God to shape them, mold them, and to recover them so that they can get hold of the new beginning. You know why teenagers are teenagers? It's because they're in the in-between. They're teenagers. Teenagers, they're not babies, boys and girls, but they're not yet adults. So there's this wrestle physiologically, there's this wrestle emotionally. It's the end to the new beginning. And the way you do that will determine the rest of your life. It's so important. If you don't deal with that right, you know what we get? Do you know what a man-ager is? you know what a man-ager is? It's a man, but inside they're teenagers. They're not teenagers, they're man-ages. You haven't grown up. Inside, still a teenager. Inside, still a boy. This ends and beginnings is a profound thing in the kingdom, friends. Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Joseph in prison by his brothers in the darkness of a prison. Lord, why me? You've spoken life to me. You've said that I will dreams the whole lot, prophetic words the whole lot. Lord, how can you put me here? Obviously, you're not with me. And you just think he's getting it right and then he has another three years in prison because he didn't get it right. See, God doesn't mind leaving us in the darkness for a little bit longer if what needs to be formed inside of us can be formed. Because what was in store for Joseph was a prime minister's role for a nation. What about Hannah? All those years, Lord, please, a baby. What about Elisha? What about Job? What about Paul? What about the disciples in the upper room? Everywhere in the scriptures where you see wait, there's a beginning and an end happening. For the disciples, it was go to the room. Don't leave this place. Go to Jerusalem and stay in the room. Stay there, stay there. For 10 days, they're wrestling with God, wrestling with each other, praying, allowing the Spirit of God to come until a new beginning is birthed by the Spirit of God, which is called the church in Pentecost. All the time, friends, I mean, there's just step, the two of, the, and remember, this, this kind of, between the end and the beginning, it's like Good Friday, 
but you're living in Saturday for a while. Lord, please help me. There were two, two, two disciples on the way to Emmaus, downcast. You see, friends, this is what I'm talking about when I talk about the road to Emmaus. And what happens, friends, in the Pentecostal charismatic culture? We live with this, God is good. God is good all the time. God is good. Praise the Lord, my friends, and I've just lost my husband. And we don't ever acknowledge an end. We don't come to the deep sadness and pain of an end. Most ends are painful, friends. In fact, I'm, most things that grow us, the end is painful. Jesus defined growth process like this. In Luke 9, verse 23, he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So if you want to be a disciple of me, there's got to be deaths so that you will save it. You see, before resurrection comes death. Before the new beginning comes an end. Why do we avoid endings? I was thinking about this this morning. You know why we avoid endings, friends? Because it's painful. All loss is painful. And the more final the loss, the more painful it is. That's why death of a loved one is so, so desperately painful. And what happens is in that moment of loss, there's a sense of powerlessness, there's a sense of absolute desperation of somebody that you've loved so dearly for so long. It's painful. Another reason why we don't like ends is that it's difficult to be without answers. It's difficult to live without answers. We want to know the answers. We want to know why. We want to know how long. We want to know the deals. We want to know all the bits and pieces. But the problem is, friends, when we don't live through the darkness holding the hand of Jesus, Ishmael's are born. Ishmael was a moment when Abraham could not deal with the darkness anymore, and so he made a plan. His body was dead, and so was Sarah. There was an end. And he took it into his own hands. We don't like endings because endings will challenge us to grow up, friends. Endings will challenge us to grow like you've never grown before with the king. The dragonfly story is that thing. Needs the, it needs the wrestle of fighting out of the cocoon. It needs that, that moment of darkness, that moment of mystery where you find God in a whole level, deeper level than you've ever known him before. And through the darkness, you know that if you just keep putting your hand out and trusting him, eventually his hand will find your hand on the other side of the darkness. And there will be a new beginning. Resurrection life will begin to flow again. Another reason why we don't like endings is that endings feel like failure. 
We feel like it's the enemy that's coming against our dreams and our plans. And so often, friends, we, just, we, we spiritualize it as an enemy's attack when in fact, actually, it was, it's God's processes of bringing an end so that a new beginning can, t- can take place. And so then what happens is we view obstacles, these, these endings to be obstacles or um, to be removed and fixed as quickly as possible, to get out of that place as quickly as possible, when in fact God wants us to live in the in the in-between murky middle for a season so that things can change, new beginnings can come. There's a book called Transitions by William Bridges that I read years and years ago. And he said this, I've never forgotten this. He said, change is like having a room of furniture and you change it around a bit, that's change. Change looks like taking the furniture and moving the furniture around in a room. Change is as good as a holiday. Heard that saying? Hey, that's nice and fresh. But transition is moving rooms. It's not just rearranging the furniture. That's why death of a loved one, a husband or a wife, is so incredibly difficult because it's not just rearranging the furniture, it's now changing rooms. Incredibly difficult. Incredibly, incredibly difficult. And then what happens is, friends, is that we tend not to listen to God through the pain. We take it into our own hands. Instead of saying, God, how are you using this to help me depend more deeply on you? Through the pain, friends, we've got to find God deeply. Through the pain, we've got to ask the question, what new beginnings might be hidden for me in this process, Lord? I know you work all things for the good somehow. The murky middle is so profoundly important to live life through. We've got to teach our kids to live through the murky middles of life. It's the place that the enemy robs us. It's the place that we, we end up messing up our relationships. Three characteristics of healthy endings and new beginnings. There's so much I have to say. I'm just trying to kind of Number one is we have to accept the endings as like a death. Like it's got to die. If you don't let it die, friends, it's like you're holding on to this when God wants you to get that. And then eventually what happens is you get this, but you don't have what God has for you. Actually what God wants is that's got to die so that you can get this. We've got to accept those things. We've got, to, we've got to come to terms with them. That's what the grieving process does. You've got to come to acceptance. This is an end. This is like a death. And that's where you read the Psalms. David going through end after end after end, always trusting God for a new beginning. They called laments, a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. Where you come before God in the murky middle in the darkness and you wrestle with God and you ask God, how long, Lord, and why, Lord? And you, you wrestle with God. Right through the Psalms, you, you rest, the, the, the writers are writing and they, they're asking God, where are you, Lord? You're absent. How come you're not here with me now when I need you the most? Some of you might recognize that. 
You look at the circumstances and you see God's not good. God's not good. Is he good? You ask questions of God. Are you good, Lord? How can this be what a good, powerful, all-loving father does? Crying out to God for comfort and care. Wrestling with this idea of God that he's got loyal love all over you because there doesn't seem to be love and there doesn't seem to be any loyalty in the moment. Friends, this middle part is how we grow. John 12 verse 23 said this, Jesus says this, the hours come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Do you see how important your wrestle in the murky middle is for the life of others? Because you've wrestled with how to find the comfort of God in the midst of darkness, in the midst of mystery, and I don't understand, and God doesn't seem like, I can't hear God. He says once it falls, and it, what happens is it gets birthed again with multiple new beginnings. The first thing to do when we are coming to healthy endings and beginnings is we've got to accept that the endings are like a little death. And we've got to let that thing go. Friends, some of us are living with unforgiveness and you will not let it go and you're wondering why you can't get hold of what God has for you. It's not that God doesn't want to let, give that to you. It's that you won't let this go. If you're in any form of leadership, any form of leadership, you're going to experience this profoundly, intensely throughout your life. Some good news for you. Number two, we recognize that waiting in the murky middle is absolutely necessary part of the process. Like I said, we're living between Good Friday and the new day of Pentecost. We're living between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. And that difference, that, and you see the disciples in the scriptures wrestling with that because they, they thought Jesus was the guy. But he's dead. How can he be the guy? No, there's this thing called resurrection life that brings dead things back to life. And you think you're dead, but God sees life. God sees the seeds of life all around you. Friends, that waiting in the murky middle, nobody likes waiting. Nobody wants to wait. Nobody's patient. Man, waiting is one of the, one, is the, one of the major parts of the Christian life, is waiting. Abraham waited 25 years. Lord, please don't let me wait that long. Joseph, between 13 and 22 years. Moses, 40 years in the desert. Job, Job waited years, not months. This waiting period is so much part. And what we do is we think it's like a little brackets. We just got to get through this. No, friends, that's the work. That darkness, that moment in between, that's the work where God is ripping hold of our hearts and pulling out. You know, in the darkness, I was saying to Louise Molyneux earlier, in the darkness, the monster gets revealed. That's inside of your heart. 
Your real hungers get revealed in the darkness. For Jesus, it was go to the desert for 40 days. That's where the enemy starts to speak. And that's where the God of the God of all comfort comes around us and looks after us and wants us to press into him. Richard Raw says, this moment of waiting is our ultimate teachable space. It's the place where we learn the most. It's holy ground. I love this. He says it's holy ground, this liminal space, this he says it's holy ground. It just takes a long time to take our shoes off. To realize it and find it as Moses did and Joshua did. And when we're in that dark place, we often try to take control and produce the Ishmaels. We take control. We want, we want to plan it and strategize it. But so many of the new beginnings, friends, happen outside of us, our awareness. The reason why it's new is because you've never seen it before. And what we do is when we're in a place of vulnerability, we want to control it, we want to plan it, we want to strategize it. And God says, just surrender yourself to me. And all the pain that's inside of you, let it come out. Friends, can I just say this to you? If you do not transform your pain, if you do not allow God to transform your pain, you will transmit it. That happens in the dark place. That happens in the in-between place. When you don't allow God to transform this to the point where actually like Joseph, his brothers come back to him and said, we're so sorry for doing this. He says, no, 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 it was, it's not actually this was God's plan. It, to the point that it actually looks like the evil that was done to him was actually God's plan. Until you can turn pain into privilege, you'll never move on to the new beginning. Never. It is the most difficult thing, friends, to wrestle with God in the midst of a beginning and an end. And we've got to, in that place, friends, make sure that you keep hope in Jesus alive. It's a moment where you fly by instruments, not by feel. You go to the scriptures, you go to the blood of Jesus. You go to the word of God and you allow it to, to go to the character of God to say, no, God, I don't feel you here, but I know you don't ever leave or forsake me. I don't understand your voice right now, but Lord, I know you're a speaking God. You fly by instruments when you can't see. You just go by the character of God and the word of God and you put people around you so that you can live through it, get through it. Number three, We must affirm that new beginnings come through the gateways of endings that end and waiting that finds God. Affirm that new beginnings come through. You've got you to you get to this. You've got to know that this is an end. But the new beginning comes through an end that needs to end and a waiting that needs to find God. How do you do this? How do you do this? I'll leave you with these three or four points. How do you do that? How, how do you in the midst of this do this? It's hard, friends, I know. Friendships. Leadership. Multiple, multiple moments of beginnings and ends. 
in life. Number one is you've got to take the pain in. You've got to acknowledge the pain. You don't avoid it. And one of the greatest things you can do, friends, is in the midst of that, you've got to avoid all bitterness of heart, hardness of heart, and resistance to the new thing that God is wanting to birth. Because in that moment, you know what happens is that's the moment you duck from God. A God, you're not with me. And the temptation is to run away from God. That is the time where you anchor into him like never before, flying by the instruments. Never before. You hold on to him. Man, the temptation is to get cross with God and run away from God and run away from his community. First one is you take pain in. Second one is you slow down. You know, one of the ways that we avoid pain is we just busy our lives up. We just get busier and busier and busier and busier. But what you're doing is you're actually covering over pain. I've done that before. You've got to slow down. You've got to spend time with God in silence, listening to him. You've got to find God in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the ending. Hope this is making sense. You need time alone. You need to slow down. Don't just rush from one thing to the next. Take this in. God, what are you saying to me? What are you wanting to birth in me? What are you doing with me? What is the future? Lord, please, I don't see it. All I see is darkness around me, this murkiness. Lord, I can't see it. But I know you're on the other side. Lord, help me get there. Number four, you need a few, a few wise voices to get the job done. When you're in that middle, friends, you don't need a million voices speaking to you. You need two or three trusted voices that can speak life to you. You don't need Job's mates that spoke death to him. You need people that can put courage into you to hold it. They can't take you out of there, but they can give you comfort and they can put courage in you to help you get through it. You need to read the Psalms. You need to read the Psalms and look for the moments of lament and protest in David and whoever else's voice. You need to forgive. Friends, there's two ways that we change primarily to bring life. Forgiveness and repentance in the Christian life. That's it. I don't care how many courses you go on. I don't care how much psychological help you do. At the end of the day, it's forgiveness and repentance. You've got to forgive somebody. You've got to forgive yourself. You've got to repent. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. I've said this a million times. Repentance is a revelation that changes your behavior. It's a revelation. Oh my God, please help me. Oh, I've been so wrong. Then you say, I'm sorry. But it's a revelation. It's, this, it's, it's, a, it's a moment where God speaks to you in the midst of the darkness that changes your life forever. These are the ways that we get through the darkness. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 11 says this. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. I love that. So what he's saying is, he says, 
I'm gonna live the death that I need to live so that you can have the life that you can get. This is Paul talking. You see, when you go through that process and you get through the dark times and you get through the anguish of soul and you get to the other side, you are incredibly used by God to comfort others. He says, I want death to at work in us, but so that life can be working in you. So Paul's lived through this thing and he says, actually, I need, to, I need this so that you can live like you. I want to be able to help you. I want to be able to encourage you. I want to be able to talk to you about what it's like to go through those moments. Most weights in God, as I said earlier, most weights wait in God is because there's an end that needs to end. When God says wait, ask the question, what needs to end? Psalm 23 is a phenomenal example of this. Thou will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Can I just say to you, friends, the shadow of death, that valley, you can't shorten it. You do not determine its direction. You can't bypass it. It will feel like death. This is such an encouraging message for Sunday morning. <laughs> but the beautiful thing is the promise of the Good Shepherd that in the midst of that valley of death, He prepares a meal for us, He sets a table. You will never experience the hospitality of the Father like in that moment. Fragrant oil over your head. Consecration, consecrated for you. So that's, these are the moments, friends, when we grow in anointing. This is the moment where oil represents healing. It's the moment where healing takes place. But with the Father, with Jesus at the table, cup overflows, he says. Abundant provision in the midst of that place of his presence. The psalm continues to go through, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. It starts off with the valley of death and ends with a walk of the goodness and the love of God following you all the days of your life. It's an end and a beginning. How are you dealing with your ends, friends? How are you dealing with your ends? Have you dealt with your ends? If you keep talking about the past and the end, you haven't dealt with your end. Keep going back to it. You haven't let it end. And you wonder why God's not taking you to the next thing. How are you dealing with your ends? Are 